0: Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey there, thanks for listening to Leading Simple. My name is Rusty George, helping make real life simple. We want to thank all of our friends over at Charisma Network uh, for promoting and sponsoring our podcast. And we want to thank our friends at Compassion International because we are working with them to sponsor a 1,000 kids uh, during this holiday season, and we are so excited about the work they do to change kids' lives. Make sure you watch or listen to the podcasts with or richmond Wendira, who are sponsored children that grew up to become incredible adults sponsoring even more children. Their stories are unbelievable. You're gonna wanna hear those, and it will inspire you and your family to sponsor a child. Here's an idea. Sit down with your family over dinner, Listen to one of those conversations, either with Kiwani or with Richmond. it takes take you 20 minutes to listen to. You can do it over dinner. And then, as a family, decide to sponsor a child. Compassion.com slash Rusty. Our family sponsors multiple children. We're thrilled to be involved in their lives. Write letters to them and get letters from them. I know you will be as well. Today, we get to hear from a friend of mine named Joel Thomas. For years, Joel served as a campus pastor at North Point Community Church, one of the largest churches in America, in the Atlanta area, uh, serving under uh, Andy Stanley, uh, who's been a guest on the podcast and uh, speaker extraordinaire, author, uh, incredible leader. Andy's listened to by millions of people uh, on podcasts and on his leadership podcast, but also through his church as well, and Joel uh, was there, and then he went to work on a church and follow uh, a really difficult crisis there in Arizona and helped put that church back together and now has returned to North Point to work with North Point. Why did he do that? Why go from being a head coach to an assistant coach again? We're going to hear from him today, and I think you're really going to be blessed by what Joel has to say. One of the the more insightful people I've ever talked to, and really well thought out, well spoken, and you're going to be blessed. So here we go, my conversation with Joel Thomas. Hey, Joel, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's uh, it's great to have you here. Man, it's so good to be here. It's been, I don't know how long, it's been a couple of years maybe since I was here with your staff last time. That's right. And, uh, it's always a pleasure yeah, uh, you shared here. the, uh, the, what do you call that? The nine boxes of yeah. people, uh, you know, it's it,
1: it, for us, it's a way of, of understanding people in change. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a change management tool. Maybe, maybe another day we'll talk about that. Well, but it's a, and
0: I want to get it on video sometimes. So I need wow. to, I need to record you doing <laughs> it because it's so incredible. So we'll, we'll, uh, bring that to you at another episode, but, uh, Joel, for our listeners who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm very happily married.
1: I have wife, four kids. Uh, Mm. we, we were living in the Arizona area. We'll probably talk about this in a minute. We've moved back to, um, we were living in Phoenix here, excuse me. And we've just moved back to Atlanta. Mm. Um, but my kids are, um, 14, and five. Uh, we call them the bigs and the littles. Mm. Uh, we, we love life. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun together as a family, and I've been doing ministry my entire adult life. I didn't, I didn't set out to go into ministry. I grew up in a ministry family. Hmm. My dad was a pastor. Um, I was the kid that said I'll never do that, yeah. and uh, here I am. So, um,
0: you grew up in
1: Pennsylvania? I was born in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, spent a little bit of time in Pennsylvania, and then we uh, we moved up to upstate New York, and really, yeah, okay. just outside the Syracuse area. Um, and as you know, I lost my dad. Uh, mm-hmm when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyway, that sort of changed the trajectory of my life. And, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. And, and I just ended up feeling like, gosh, this was, uh, I just got finished listening to you teach a session on mm. calling. And it just, there was a sense of which, like, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to go do. And right. it was just getting involved as a volunteer. So okay. as you're talking to volunteers talking about an assignment, I got an assignment as a volunteer and realized Oh, this is my calling. It's not really what I wanted to do, but it like this was my calling. And, um, do you remember what that so assignment was? I do. I was, uh, so I, I, this is a funny story. I, um, graduated from college and the year I graduated from college was 1996. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but the Olympics were happening mm-hmm. in, Atlanta in Atlanta in 96. Yep. And, and I had a job. I was, I was a business major. I was going into hospitality. I wanted to run big hotels. Like that was just Mm. something I wanted to do and maybe even get into property management at some point, Mm. owning properties. And, and, uh, I'd done a internship at the Marriott Marquis when I was in college in, in New York. And, um, anyway, so, uh, I had nothing to do. I had a job. I'd been a ski instructor for two years. I had a job in Colorado that was waiting on me in the fall of 96. And when I graduated from college, I had nothing to do that summer. And I thought, when else are the Olympics going to be in my home country and I have nothing else to do? Yeah. And so I was like, I decided I'm going to move to Atlanta for the summer. I knew one family through my parents uh, and it was a pastor of a church huh. uh, in Atlanta. And I moved down there, moved into their apartment over their garage for the summer. And I volunteered as a leader in the student ministry at their church huh. and got real involved and started teaching a Sunday school class and leading a, a I went on a mission trip that summer and led a, a, a camp and their youth pastor left at the end of that summer. Mm. And his wife's mom was having some significant health problems and she, they lived on the West coast actually. So they moved and the pastor of the church said, Hey, would you stick around and help us mm. until we find the right guy? And, um, you know, as a 21 year old kid, I was sort of like, what makes you think I'm not the right guy? Like, I didn't really want the job, but, <laughs> and, uh, four months later, uh, they offered me the job Wow! and I turned it down to go to seminary because I had a friend and, and my uncle was a pastor. And he said, look, you've done all less preparation for this other career, but like, you've done nothing to prepare for this. Like, if this is really your calling mm. and where God's leading you you ought to figure out how to be best prepared for what God might have for you in the long, it was some of the best advice I ever got, and and it was weird because I felt like I would worked to gain this job, and then God was like, oh, well, I'll give you the job, but that's not really what I want you to do right mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. I made the difficult decision to, to take off and be a poor seminary student for a number of years, and...
0: Wow, where'd you go to seminary?
1: Reformed a Theological Seminary
0: okay. in Orlando.
1: In Orlando? Yeah, the All Orlando right. campus, so I was there for almost three years, okay. and summer before my last year, I interned. I was the first intern at North Point Community Church with Andy Stanley and, and the whole team there, and we didn't even have a building at the time. We were in an office park. We were meet, meeting every other Sunday night. I think there was like 800 people going to the church, mm-hmm. um, and then when I finished seminary, I came on staff there. I think I was like the 13th staff member or something like How that. How
0: did you get that connection, being from Orlando? Well,
1: I I was actually, when I was in Atlanta, um, this is gonna sound like I'm name dropping and this is so bizarre, but this is how it happened. That's I hot. met Andy through Louie. Okay. So I started going to a Bible study that Louie was teaching. It was called 722. Yeah. It was in Atlanta, it was a singles Bible study. And I was a I was in the in town for the summer and I started going to this Bible study because a lot of Christians that I knew that were single would drive over to yeah. Dunwoody. I was living in Lilburn at the time, was so a kind of northeast suburb and Done what he's sort of straight north of the city. So I'd drive over there every Tuesday night to go to this Bible study. Mm. And I met Louie and Louie introduced me to Bill Willets. Yep. And um and then he introduced me to Andy. Mm. And so on Sunday nights after going to the church that I was I was serving at and the family that I was living with, uh, I would I would go from there to, to North Point mm-hmm. and go to church on Sunday night where I could just attend church, not right serve at church and I'd show up there at 10 and then I'd go to church on Tuesday. So I was going to church like three days a week. Okay, <laughs> And so if I wasn't hearing from God, it was not going to be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that's how I got connected. And we, I'd become friends with Bill and got to know Andy. And then um, I went, told him that I was going to seminary and we sort of stayed in touch and okay. I loved what they were doing. It was, it was sort of like, I'm the connection for me was more like, gosh, I don't, I don't I've never seen church done like this. And it, right. it was so strategic and so excellent. And even in those days when they didn't have a building, they, didn't, they were just, things were done right. And mm-hmm. I don't know what your experience in ministry mm-hmm. has been your entire career, but I've been a lot of places where there were just things I wouldn't wanna be associated with. Right. And um, having done an internship in the hospitality industry and at the Marriott Marquis, no less in, in New York City. And especially in that day, it was like, this was like a premier experience for right. anybody. And, you know, I started seeing a church that was that was approaching people in that same sort of Yeah, I think honoring. I, I think that's the thing that came to mind was this is like an honoring way to treat people. Right. And um it was it was beautiful and inspiring and challenging. And so I was trying to learn from them. And so I would I would mm-hmm. come up and I would thought, you know, when I could have somebody I think I I want to go do something like that. Hmm. And um I didn't. So then when they asked me to do, come do an internship, I was like, I'm in, like definitely in. Yeah. And then when they asked me to come back on staff, I, I was like, I'll do that for a few years. I didn't think I'd be there very long. Um, 17 years later, yeah. Uh, after doing a whole bunch of different things, I became the lead pastor of the, well, they, it's a campus pastor, but they, they call them lead pastors there, uh, of the original campus yeah. um, and followed Andy into that role, which we all called the body bag job. And, um, I did not think I was going to get offered the body bag job, but I did. And, and it was great. Uh, Andy was so great. I stepped in there and I was did that for about three years.
0: Okay. So, so, I mean, North point grows rapid growth for, you know, many, many years. And then you're tasked to come in and be the lead pastor, campus pastor of the, the, the original campus Alpharetta. Um, What kind, because we all know Andy from his teaching and his leadership podcast and those kind of things, but you got to follow his leadership. Describe to me the differences between the way he led the campus and how you led the campus.
1: So a little bit of this is unfair to him. (laughs) Um, And he knows this, like I, I'm not going to say anything we haven't joked or talked about. Um, So one of the things that was interesting about that was because the organization grew so rapidly and we were adding campuses at that time, um, Andy was having to focus on leading the whole, the global organization, much like you're, you're very aware. And, and you know, in terms of your responsibilities, uh, what that takes. Um, and so early on following him would not have been fun at that campus. Right. Um, and he told me this, I didn't believe him, but he told me this when he offered me the job, he said, listen, I think you're gonna find, this is gonna be easier than you think. And he hadn't been as present. He hasn't been able to pour into the, the staff on that campus. Hmm. As a matter of fact, he would tell you a story if you were here about, um, he does this thing where uh, he allows people uh, who are new on staff, uh, I think it's 90 days mm-hmm. to give him their 90, he reads them all the 90 mm-hmm. perspective of you know how, how long you've been and you know now there's 5 or 600 people on staff and mm-hmm. but he reads them all in 90 days what's your perspective on your experience here and and one person wrote we need a jeff henderson jeff henderson was the campus pastor at buckhead church at the time we need a jeff henderson at north point mm. and andy reached out and was like what what do you what did you mean by that and they were like well jeff's just very focused on pastoring and leading the staff and is involved in mm. the church and walks around and connects with volunteers. And And Andy, when he was telling me this, he said, he's like, I'm just not able to engage at that level anymore mm-hmm. just because of other responsibilities that I, I, I just don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. And he was right. Like when I stepped in, it was like, I was thinking the bar was like so high, I'm not going to be able to reach this bar. But it was like, in, in essence, it was like, so low just mm-hmm. because n- no reflection on him. It was just the, the rapid growth of the organization. And mm-hmm. the organization was feeling a pinch at a, in a place that I was able to step in with all the capacity in the world because I wasn't teaching on a regular basis at that time. And, mm-hmm. and later I started to teach more. But at the, in the beginning, it was like I taught like five or eight times a year, I think. Mm-hmm. So I had all this time mm-hmm. to just do leadership development and, and troubleshoot and engage with the team. And mm. and I learned specifically like, hey, this is the role that needs, that I need to fulfill here mm-hmm. in this campus. And these are the types of things that
0: are going to really help me to succeed and help this church succeed. You know, 20, 30 years ago, the idea of a campus pastor was really not even thought of. No, yeah. um, it's kind of still a bit of a, of a new uh, position For our listeners who, you know, there's probably some people out there that think, I think I could be a campus pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, help us understand that role specifically and how that differs from a teaching pastor or the lead pastor and a few things that a good campus pastor has to have regardless of their gift mix. Yeah, that's good. Uh, You know, so
1: to continue the story we talking about a minute ago, I asked Andy when he asked me this, I said, I said, so, well, do you have a job description? And he's like, we should, (laughs) he's like, but I don't. And I was like, well, that would be helpful. He goes, I think that would be helpful. He's like, let me think about that for a minute. And as you would expect, he came back with something that was not only helpful for me, it was helpful for every campus pastor that followed. Um, but I think I probably took it to heart a little More. more than others. Um, he said, success for you is if you, if you could, um, you, you know, and again, I got to remember this is like Andy's into one sentence job description. It's yes. like, I don't want to make this complicated. It's like, what's the bullseye on the target? You know, you know, if you do this, you're going to be successful. And he said, you know, your job is to inspire the staff and congregation to personally engage in our mission, vision, and strategy and to remove any obstacle from them doing so. Mm. And so I thought, okay, well, that's two things. Mm-hmm. You want me to inspire engagement and remove obstacles. Like if I'll inspire engagement in in our mission, vision, and strategy and remove obstacles that are keeping people from doing that, you're saying I'll be successful. And so literally I'll just tell you for the three and a half years that I was in that role, that's all I did.
2: Mm.
1: I just tried to inspire engagement mm-hmm. from people and remove obstacles. You know, if there were obstacles for there are barriers to people taking those steps or barriers to people wanting to take those steps or mm. things that were broken i just i saw I, i'm like that's my job that's what i'm supposed to do
0: give me an example of a barrier
1: yeah so um you know uh one of the things we wanted everybody to do is uh you know that was on our staff is We wanted people on our staff to be engaged Mm -hmm. in a small group. Like we want you, you need to be in a group. Like this isn't just for other people. Like you need to be in a group. And you know, there were, it was sort of, I'll say it was a little taboo in those days for like staff to be in groups with other staff because Mm -hmm. it was like, well, you should be leading a group like everybody else. And you know, some of our staffs, like I lead everywhere in my life. Like Mm -hmm. I need a group for me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I just, that was a huge barrier to entry. And I just started freeing people of that. I was like, look, I don't have permission to do this, but like, if it's the difference between you being in a group and you not being in a group, I don't care if you go find all of your best friends, you need to meet with a regular group of people on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. They need to know what's going on in your life. It needs to be a safe place for you. Mm -hmm. And you need to have a safe space where you can be in a group and you're in the habit of meeting with people regularly. So that if this whole organization went away, you have... An ecclesia, a group of people that you're meeting with on a regular basis, that you feel safe with, Mm. that are encouraging to you, that are lifting you up, that are sharing life struggles with you, that you're taking on their burdens. You're able to practice the one another's, Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're not, Mm -hmm. and you're not being the church. Mm -hmm. And we need to not only model that, but I also knew that that would make them a healthier leader and make them a better uh, member or congregant in our church. And so, you know, I don't know if that's a profound one, but like that was a, that was a barrier to our staff modeling the way we wanted our church, the rest of our church to, to personally engage in the church. And if the staff's not doing it, you mm-hmm. know, you so, could stand up there all day and say, it. if the staff's not doing it, nobody else is doing it. Cause right. it's like, all of a sudden it's like, well, none of the staff are in small groups. Why, right. why do we need to be in small groups?
0: Right. Okay. So inspire people to engage in the mission and vision. Um, I can think of four things that, you know, have to be there. You've got to be in a group, you got to uh, serve, give, invite people. Mm-hmm. How do you as a campus pastor, and I'm just thinking about practically the calendar, okay? Because if you get up and rattle those four off every single weekend, it's white noise. Yeah. How did you kind of process when to specifically drill down on each of those four things? Yeah. So that's a really great question. And for people that, um, you know, it's funny, after I
1: after I left North point, which we haven't talked about that part of my story, but Mm -hmm. I left for a period of time, I would get calls from campus pastors all the time going, Hey, tell me about this. And Mm -hmm. you know, Andy made this comment the other day that you did this and tell me about that. And I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't, there were so many things that um, I felt like uh, already had momentum Mm. that if I just sort of hitched my wagon to those things or or took advantage of those things, I didn't have to create new things. I think Mm. we always think like, well, I have to create, generate some new momentum or Hmm. generate something and create something new. And certainly new, uh, it it generates momentum, but so does improved or or I'll even say maximized. So for instance, like every week that we had baptisms, I wanted to be the person that followed the baptisms. And Mm. the reason is, is because I knew that in almost every baptism story there was a way a person engaged that was transformative for their life. Mm. And if I would come behind that and champion go, "Hey, don't take it for me. You just heard that person's story." Yeah. And that's some of your story and you've not yet taken that step cuz somebody, mm. you know this, when people tell a baptism story, inevitably it's somebody invited them. Right. And it's like For me to stand up and go, hey, somebody in your life is one invitation away from doing what you just saw. Mm. You know, if somebody said, you know, it wasn't until I got involved serving and then I realized, like, this is what Jesus did for me, and and it all began to click. And I could be like, some of you just you've just been coming, coming, coming. You think you're not Mm. worthy of it, and it's like this is the way of Jesus. If you take that step, Mm. you'll identify. This is the gospel. You'll identify with Christ. In Mm -hmm. what he did for you, and and this that could be the gateway to significant uh, transformation Mm -hmm. in your life. So I just tried to. So baptisms was was one way. Really good. Sometimes it was, you know, Andy would send his notes every week beforehand, and I know a lot of camp pastors and no discredit to them, they just thought, well, I don't need to read them. I am going to listen to it on Sunday. I would always read through his notes, and I would think, is there something in here? That when this message gets done at the end of the service, if I can, if I have the opportunity to wrap up the service where that I could point people and go, "Hey, today some of you feel motivated, and this is what you need to do right now." Mm. And so I would, I would try to, as opposed to trying to create new things, mm-hmm. I would try to take advantage of the things that were already happening, mm. the 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 opportunities to leverage some of the things that were already at work. Mm.
0: So that's that's really good. Um, what do his notes look like are they are they manuscript I'll send them to I, can, you. I can only imagine no no, no i can i can't look at the holy grail oh yeah I, yeah know. yeah
1: <laughs> uh, i mean he wouldn't care uh i don't think he would care <laughs> it, it's it's um it's 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 not it's not it's actually i couldn't i couldn't I, I couldn't do it that way but he he just he he has like you know his main points that he puts on on, yeah. on the tv or whatever right. and then he's got a bunch of sub points underneath that and then he's got the next point because for him, Andy and I think very differently. I'm, I'm a more of an artist. He's he's very logical, mm-hmm. and he's probably you're you're more you're more of, of a logically driven mm-hmm. thinker. Um, you know, for him, it's it's a series of signposts. He knows where he's getting to. Yeah, and he's got six mile markers that are going to get him to where he's going to get to. Yeah, you know, in some weeks it's eight, and some weeks it's five, and it's like he's driving from this post to that post to that post, and so he's got his eight mile markers in his mind Mm -hmm. of where he's going and so he'll just he has his first one and his sub points that lead him to the second one Mm -hmm. and then there's the the second one has a bunch of sub points that are the map to get to the third one Mm -hmm. and and so it's just it's sort of like a map that goes from this to this to this to this to
0: this you know one of his uh calling cards is the whole me you god you we um uh five point strategy of teaching um which we've talked about before in, in other podcasts and blogs. But is that your mentality as well? I'm sure you learned that from him. Have you tweaked yeah. that at all? Is that the right progression for you? Or do you sometimes like to go, let me give you five reasons or yeah. three three things to do or whatever? Yeah. That
1: was very helpful for me mm-hmm. in learning to teach and learning to teach description in a way that actually prioritizes application. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Andy and I are very different. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't realize... I what I would tell you is in the three years uh, I was at North Point, I learned to teach uh, effectively for application the way Andy did it. Mm. When I uh, became a senior pastor of a church in Arizona um, over the last seven years, I've learned who I am as Mm, a communicator. That's good. And Andy's fastball is logic for Mm -hmm. sure. Like it's, and the thing that about the, the the me we God you we thing that you just expressed a minute ago is, it's a progression that goes from I want to make a connection with people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: to I want to teach them something that that is true, not my opinion, but this is based on God's word, and then I want to make an application mm-hmm. at the end and with some inspiration. I think that general framework is something that uh, I utilize. Uh, my fastball is is probably. Uh, it's less logic and it's more emotion. Hmm. I, I I probably through transparency, authenticity, um, for me, and I'm I'm not saying Andy's not transparent or authentic, but for me, um, I tend to share more of my personal struggles and our family struggles and struggles of people that I'm friends with or ways we've we've hmm. walked through things with people in life. Um, as a connection point and right. and, a, and an inspiration for people to want to wanna take a next step. And that's very different. You know, I, I always tell people, when I get done listening to Andy, I feel like I'm in handcuffs. It's like, okay, you win. Like yeah. you got me. Like I, I, I have to agree with you. Like there's nothing else, you know, there's right. nothing else I can do, but I, I feel like, and, and, and it makes me go, you're right. Like you've convinced me. I, mm-hmm. I want, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not that smart. I'm mm-hmm. not that good, but I do feel like what I'm good at, the way God's designed me, is. I think people walk away and go. I want what that guy has. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there. He has something. He's found something. He's discovered something. I feel it. I feel a sense of inspiration, encouragement, desire. I want to. I want to try. Yeah. What he's saying, because he's found something that that works. That's yeah. different
0: and so the whole uh, I don't know if I believe it but I believe he believes it that's right I know he believes it that's right hey let me interrupt this podcast to tell you to go right now to compassion.com slash rusty and sponsor a child through compassion it will change their life it will change your life do this as a family do this individually whatever it takes sponsor a child today compassion.com slash rusty okay back to our show Okay, so let's let's continue on with your journey because you decide to leave North Point to go mm-hmm. be a lead pastor, a yeah. senior pastor, yeah, yeah, if you will, of a church. Are in... you are
1: you go by senior pastor, no, lead pastor, no, lead pastor? Nobody
0: wants the title senior. No, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty old school. There, <laughs> that's
1: what they asked me when I went there. They're like, "Do you want to be referred to as the senior pastor or the lead pastor mm-hmm. when you get here?" And I'm like, uh, "Lead pastor, please." Yes. like I don't, no,
0: but I don't want to be senior or anything. No, I used to be senior minister. Was yeah, the, okay. that's right. So anyway, you go out to Arizona. And we're just going to cut right to the chase. I mean, you have so many things going on right now. You're in a new place to live. <laughs> yeah. You got a new role because yep. now you're the primary communicator. Yep. You got a new staff that yep. you got to learn. Yep. Uh, and you're taking after you're taking over after a scandal. Yeah. Um, which was. Uh, a horrific thing that you have to walk into and I'll let you tell our listeners as much yeah. as you feel comfortable yeah, talking sure. about that. And then kind of the gap in between. And we exit. had, a,
1: and my wife got pregnant two months into being, there. Oh my goodness. She okay. cried
0: for a month. <laughs> oh, man. That's what Truthfully, mean, A lot of change. <laughs> sure. All right. So tell me how you navigated that. Uh, I, I survived it. That's okay. how I navigated it.
1: You know, it was, it was tumultuous. Um, you know, and this is all public information. Like, this isn't, there's no secrets. Like, um, the the previous pastor of the church, uh, he didn't just have a moral failure. He had eight affairs, all with women in the church, all who were married. Um, and it happened over the course of seven of the ten years, the last seven. Mm. Seven of the last ten years that he was at the church. I, I mean, I don't know how it happened that long and how it was kept a secret. Mm. Um, I mean, I've I've heard a little bit of how that works, but um, truthfully, I didn't want to know too much. Right. But um, so it was, and and that was. I, I thought when I first, Rusty, when I first went there, um, as you know, it was a calling. Yeah. I wasn't, you know. I could tell you that story, but it's it's for another day. I really felt like this is what God wanted us to do, mm-hmm. and and Andy pastored me through that. Like mm-hmm. we 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 sat down and we we talked, and I remember the day we sat at lunch together at Village Tavern in Alfreda, and he looked across the table and he's, he's like, "I don't want you to leave, but I think this is what you have to go do." Mm-hmm. Like I think there's 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 either either you're looking for a better situation, and you've told me you don't you're, you don't you're not looking for a, a different opportunity you think this is a better situation, which if you think this is a better situation, you're delusional (laughs) because it wasn't a better opportunity. (laughs) Or this is something that God's calling you to do. He's, Mm -hmm. hes this is about obedience and that's what it was. And so, you know, there was a lot of comfort in that knowing that like, okay, God, you've called us to do this. You've got us into this. This Mm -hmm. wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're going to have to show up and, um, And Andy gave me a gift in that season. Um, He said, look, you just, you just do the next right thing. I'm going to share this actually Mm -hmm. um, uh, a little later today uh, with, we're in the middle of this conference Mm -hmm. here. Um, He said, you do the next right thing. And if they fire you, like you can come back here. Mm -hmm. I'll hire you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But he said, either way, if you do the next right thing, like our responsibility is obedience. Like he didn't use this language, but this is what I walked away with. Like, like, my job's obedience, not outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like the outcomes are up to the Lord. Like, <laughs> as you know, like as we get older in life, we realize how little control we have over <laughs> Right, uh, Which just is very our, our own homes for, for right. let's take exa- right. for, as an example. Yeah. It's super freeing yeah. to go like, okay, that's not my job. Like I don't, I, I that's not my responsibility. Um, And so that was, that was, that was super, uh, as you said, freeing, but I can tell you, like, I almost never lost sleep. People were like, I, I'm so sorry, this must be so hard. I'm sure you have a hard time sleeping at night. I'm like, no, no, actually I don't. I laid my head on the pillow every night and I went, I was obedient today. Mm. And there's a lot to that. It's like, for anybody in any situation, when you can lay your head on the pillow at night and go, mm. I was obedient today, mm-hmm. you go to sleep. Yeah, You just, I just did. And Mm -hmm. there were very few nights I laid awake, but it was hard. I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Hmm. Um, And there were so many challenges. What was
0: what was hard?
1: Yeah. So I thought the biggest challenge was going to be people in the church trusting me. Yeah. Uh, You know because you know there. this other guy in their minds lived alive for so many years and, and the things, you know, the things that were floating around on the internet were talks that he did about how men need to be more faithful to their wives and, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff where obviously that's not what's happening in his life. And, you know, this whole community, like now this church has this scarlet letter on it that's like, oh, that's the place where this happened and how could The leadership of this church allow this to happen because you know they remember they're they're still all there. Of course, they didn't know anything about any of this, but people are going. You should have known, or how did or weren't there signs? And we could debate whether they should have known or whether there were signs or not. But, um, but I really felt like you know what I love my wife and I love my family and I'm faithful to my family and in time they'll see and I'll win them over. And little did I know that was like the smallest that was that was if there if there is ever an illustration for the tip of the iceberg like this was it okay and um, my second week here's an illustration my second week I was there I was in the playground in my neighborhood and I met a guy who had kids similar ages mine the pushing kids on the swings and and I said, Hey, so you live in the neighborhood? Yeah, I live in the neighborhood. Do your kids go to the school in the neighborhood? Because we moved into this neighborhood so our kids could go to this specific. It was a it's a public school, but it was had a really great reputation. And I said, You like the school? Yeah, we love the school. We love the area. He's like, So you're new to the area? I'm like, yeah. He's, He's like, awesome, where are you from? And I, I'm from Atlanta. You know, what brought you to Phoenix? Mm-hmm. And I said, My job. He's like, what do you do? Yep. You know, you've been through Here these conversations. Yep. What do you do? I'm actually a pastor of a church. And he's like, Really? Which one? And I said, Well, it's a little ways up. It's up off. And I gave him the, the street names at Power and Elliot. And he he said, Oh yeah, Mission Community Church. I know it. And I said, Oh really? How do you know how do you know the church? He's like, We used to go there. And I was like, Oh really? I said, Tell me about that. And he said, Yeah, I just felt like when they kicked the the other guy out, I thought, what a bunch of what a bunch of crap. Like literally that was his that's huh. a that's a quote. And I said I said, tell me about that. And he said, he said, well, you know, it's for a church that preaches grace. Like (laughs) the guy makes a mistake and they kick him out. Like, that's not gracious. Like that's not, we all make mistakes. Interesting. And I was like, I realized like, we're really far apart on this. Like, I don't, I don't, he, and and then he said this to me. He said, he said, after all the good he's done. Hmm. And this is something, you know, as a senior leader, the organization reflects your strengths and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Whether you ever teach it or not, what you model will be reflected in the people that follow you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My predecessor, the way he managed his own purse because you go, how does he preach every week? How does he live with them? How can he do this? Well, he's doing all this good over here. And in his mind, this good outweighs this negative that he's doing, which as you know, is the opposite of the gospel.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. our good can never outweigh our bad. Right, right. And I got a glimpse that day of the real issue in the church. And the real issue in the church was around all the things that we're doing. So you wrote a book about do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Mm-hmm. The, the church, that was, their, that was their key phrase. That was the vision of the church was yeah. do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. And this was, it was the vision, the mission. It was everything. It was like, this is who we are. Well, the do justice thing was the thing that rose to the surface. And it was like, here's all the things that we're doing. But the center of the church became what we're doing, not what Jesus has done. Mm. And I had I would go on to have multiple conversations with people of I can't believe you're getting getting rid of Micah six eight. And I was like, I'm, I'm, i mean, well, first of all, it's in the Bible. Like, I can't get rid of it. But uh, they were like, but that's our, that's who we are. That's our vision. And 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 they're like, you just don't understand the context of that. And I was, I would always listen. And more more often than not, people would say to me, they would say, well, what it says is, this is what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy and to walk humbly, which is not the context of your book, but it was the context in which they had been taught this Uh and they're going, this is what we have to do. This is what's required of us. And I would look across the table at them and I would say, you realize that was fulfilled in Jesus. Mm. Like that's no longer required of you. In fact, you couldn't live up to that. Mm. This this ought to be an overflow Mm. of a life that's been surrendered to Jesus. Right. It, it's what it is when we become like him and we follow the way of Jesus. These things come out of our lives. They're not what's required of us. It's not a condition anymore. And when I, I realized when I stopped, um, one other quick story, a, a little old lady, so so great. She sent me an email and she said, hey, it's her and her husband. She said, we're not leaving the church like everybody else. I think she was trying to be encouraging. <laughs> We're not leaving like everybody else, but we're going to stop giving until you tell us what we're doing. And I was like, this was early on. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I, so I, 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 I literally picked up, she left, She her phone number was in her, in her, and I don't think she expected me to call her. I picked up the phone and called her. And she was like, oh, Pastor Joel. She's like, I wasn't expecting you to call me. I was like, I just, I wanted to understand your email. Thank you for sending it to me. What did you mean by what we're doing? She said, well, the previous pastor, he used to stand up and say, this is what you're doing in, Guatemala, and this is what you're doing in Haiti, and this is what you're doing in Fiji, like. And I, and she said, "You just, I, I feel like we're not doing any of that stuff anymore." Mm. And I said, "Well, we still have all those same partnerships, but." Um, and I think you should first. I think you should care about what you're investing in in the church, but you know that's not why we give. We give out of obedience, not to like as a result. You know, to get mm. a certain result or outcome. Like mm. I said, but the other thing is, um. I said, you know, th- that those are things that that's not what we're doing. Like the easiest thing we can do is give money. I mean, it's a very where the church mm-hmm. was a very fluent area and people were accustomed to giving money and getting credit for what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. And I realized when um when I stopped talking about what they were doing, it was such a part of the fabric and you talked about this in your last session. Mm-hmm. It was, became the identity of people. Mm-hmm what we're doing is mm-hmm. our identity. I heard people say I I'm I used to be pr- I used to be proud of being a part of this church because when I talked to my other friends who were part of other churches I told them all about all the things that we're doing. Yeah. And they didn't even recognize I I I, I always wanted to say to people like do mm-hmm. you hear yourself when you talk? Yeah like it's sort of like a mm. like there's a pride that was there in what right. we're doing as opposed to what Jesus has done on our behalf and that had become the identity of not just the church mm. but it was because it it would infiltrated in the pastor's life and right. and the identity of individuals in the church and when i stopped giving them credit for things that they were doing mm. it was like they lost their identity so you walk into that. <laughs> that was interesting. I, I wasn't expecting uh, that. It was like yeah, the core identity of this church is not built based on the gospel. Right. Yeah. And the gospel's offensive now. Right. <laughs> because it's like, oh, it's not about you. Right. It's about Jesus. And like people go, oh, yeah, okay. But yeah, then yeah, when yeah. they really start realizing, oh, you mean it's really not about me. It's not
0: about what I'm doing. And that doesn't even, that doesn't make, that shouldn't make me feel good. Right. It, I remember you saying one time it was it wasn't like you were trying to build the plane while flying it. Mm. You were building the plane while trying to crash it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I then it was fly humbling.
1: It. I realized 18 months in it took me I was I'm a little slow. So mm. it took me 18 months to realize this plane's going down.
0: Mm. So fast forward, yeah. The plane is up and running again. Yeah. Give us a couple of things that you did to help right the ship, so to speak. So it's interesting.
1: We were talking about this. Um, you know, my, my fastball is more transparency and authenticity in terms of my preaching and leadership. And, um, the thing I shared this story, actually, uh, my last Sunday, last, Mm -hmm. my last Sunday at mission, um, there was a, there was a, a weekend it was it was actually a back to school weekend back to school i don't know if that is that a big deal for you guys here like oh, the yeah. back to school okay oh, yeah. so back to school weekend is like people have been gone in in the phoenix area everybody leaves in the summer it's like one hundred and forty seven thousand mm-hmm. degrees so like people come i mean even when it's hot here like it's not nearly as hot as it is there like right. it's so everybody leaves in the summer so back to school is extra big there because it's like it feels like the church like quadruples in size in one weekend right. like when everybody comes back and um back to school weekend and we're supposed to start this new series and our team's all excited about it and things are not going well Mm. like financially Mm. things are going well in the staff and but there's still people leaving for different reasons and you know it's when i showed up we were losing 30 30 plus a month Mm. and so you know great i get to be the guy that Mm. cuts staff and cuts programming and you know that's not a way to grow a church. Like when you cut staff and programming, Mm -hmm. you make lots of people mad. Like you fired my favorite staff member and this was my program and those people are up unhappy and they leave the church. Even if it's like, well, but we're trying to be good stewards and be fiscally responsible. And and so that's all going on behind the scenes. And I'm trying to manage that with our staff and with our board. Mm. And we're trying to fix this and, and we're trying to do the make the right cuts to make the least amount of damage and, you know, trying to get creative and all those things. And, and I've been managing it for so long. And I remember thinking, I just need to, I just need to tell the whole church what's going on and hmm. just tell them like, here's a deal. And this, and I'm not doing a good job at this. Like hmm. I'm not, I can't fix this. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been trying because I felt like it was my job. This is what they hired me to do. God called me here. I should be able to figure this out mm-hmm. and should be able to fix it. Right. And it was a humbling thing to go like. Not only is this plane going down, my job is to get it on the ground without a total loss. Right. And we we're, we weren't there yet. We continued to be going down, and I was like, Are we going to crash or are we going to be able to land this plane? And and um, so you know, not to name Dr. but I literally I called Andy because I remember him saying like, you know, you ought to ask yourself like, what would a great leader do? And I literally thought. I don't know what a great leader to do. So I'm going to call a great leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. sure I have one. Yep. So I called him and I said, listen, I'm thinking about doing something. I need you to talk me out of it.
2: Mm.
1: I'm like, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And he goes, that's exactly what you should do. And I was like, I need to call somebody else because I am calling <laughs> you to talk me out of this and tell me to do, a, do something better. And what I was planning to do was to just go take responsibility, draw a chart, literally from the upper left to the bottom, where I was gonna draw a chart that showed, hey, here's what's happened. And it's not the up and to the right chart. I'd only been a part of something that was up and to the right. Right. This was down and to the right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I, I, I proceeded to explain to everybody, here's how this happens. When we cut, like it creates greater exit from the church and like and I'd show them how we've done this over and over and this is what's happened and this is what's happened I don't want to talk about what happened previous to me just yep. since I've been here yep. this is what's happened and and then to just say you know what I should have told you this earlier mm. you deserve to know earlier this isn't my church this isn't the board's church this is your church this is our church it's Jesus's church but this is our this is our gathering we are the church mm. the people are the church and i should have told you this earlier and so i i just feel like i need to apologize and tell you that like this is something that's going to cease to exist starting today if there are problems i'm always going to tell you you're hmm. going to you're going to be the first to know here's what's going on here's exactly what's happening and i'm going to tell you what what we need from you to fix it to 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 go in a healthier direction and so that day we landed the plane wow and it was just by saying hey we we all need to fo- solve this together. We all need to find re- feel the responsibility for for solving this challenge that our body is going through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know the it's a passage I'd read so many times, about how there's all sorts of different parts of the body, and yeah. all of them are vital. Right. And we weren't util- utilizing all the parts of the body mm-hmm. to solve this problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that day we we invited the whole church in, and I still get emails from that sometimes as I was leaving. Uh, So after seven years, I'm transitioning back to Atlanta. Uh, We can talk about that in a minute if you want to, but um, there's no problems. But I would get these emails from people saying, hey, I was there that Sunday (laughs) when you basically told everybody how much of a failure you were (laughs) in leading the church. And that's why we stayed. And I was like, really? Like, I can't imagine that you... (laughs) But they were like, I just thought, I'll never wonder what's going on behind the scenes here. Because this guy
0: will tell us. Yeah. I mean, if you're willing to tell us about all that, like... So, you know, what's great about that is you can tell that story and I think all of our listeners are going, wow, that, I bet that was a really powerful moment, but you do multiple services. You got to do that several times, That's exactly right. which is really kind of, oh man, here we go again. Yeah. After the first service, know? I was like, oh my gosh, we got to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get the thing up and running and what an unbelievable job. It's a, it's a great, great church. And. Andy calls back and says, it's time to come home. And so you're <laughs> headed back to North yeah. Point. Literally, you just moved there this past week yep. to be the campus pastor again, but now of one of the other locations, Buckhead. Yep. Yep. Why Why would you do that? Yeah. I think all of us in my seat, uh, you know, because I, I have friends that are pastors and we're all like, why would Joe go back to be a campus yeah. pastor when he's been a lead pastor? Yeah.
1: I asked myself the same question multiple times. <laughs> so this was actually not the first time okay. he he offered me a job to come back. I um, mean, it happened on multiple occasions. I think, um, you know, when I first moved out there, he would ask me, <laughs> in fact, I, almost every time I'd call him, because I'd call him usually about problems, about, I mm-hmm. need your help, like, I need your advice. And he was, I'll just tell you, and I've told you this before, but, and I know he's shown up for you in your life yep. in in significant ways. But for, for, for those of us who've gotten to see him up close, like. The more I've gotten to know of Andy, the more respect I have for him. Yep. And when I left, I, I created a problem. I created a hole, there were, I forget, I forget, he told me one time that in that first year, there were 22 moves in the organization because of me leaving. Mm. Like just, there was this domino effect of people moving around, which you know, that yeah. that 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 diminishes productivity yeah. significantly. Absolutely. So I, I mean, I, he didn't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I owed him everything. He never made me feel that way. Mm. In fact, when I'd call him, he'd always answer his phone. And I'm like, you're in a meeting. You don't have to answer your phone. And he, yeah. but, but after a few times calling him with problems, he'd, he'd call me and, or when i call him, he'd answer and he'd say, you need help packing? Like literally, that's the first thing he'd <laughs> yeah. ask me. Like, you ready to come home yet? And and I was always like, no, no, no. And so I remember one time he asked me like, hey, how long are you gonna be there? How long are you gonna stay out there? And I was like... It's just not my personality to like do something for a period of time. Right. Like I'm either all in or I'm all out mm-hmm. and I'm either all in indefinitely or mm-hmm. I'm all out indefinitely. Like until, right. you know, God points me in a new, adri- gives me a new assignment. Mm-hmm. You give me some great language for that. And um, he, uh, so I just told him, I was like, I, you know, you and I both looked at each other like, this is clearly my assignment. Mm-hmm. And until this assignment's done, like, and I don't know when that'll be.
2: Yeah.
1: And to be totally honest with you, more recently, um, you know, when we first came, I didn't want to stay long because it was so hard, mm-hmm. but the longer we've been there, I never thought I'd leave. Yeah. Um, partly because my son was starting high school this year. And I thought, I mean, we were starting to talk about colleges and we were talking about all colleges that were out here. Right. And, uh, you know, Cal- California and Arizona. And and it was, you know, I thought if my kids go to college out here, they're probably going to meet somebody from out here. We're going to live on the West Coast the rest of our lives, right. you know? And um and Andy had offered me some jobs and some different opportunities. And you know, we haven't I haven't actually had a discussion with him about how much of our conversations are, you know, are public or not. So I but I don't think I'm betraying any confidence to tell you like this most recent time when he called me, it was different. This was a different conversation. And it was it was not I want you to come back. It was like we we need your help, hmm. and and he said something that was really interesting to me because it was a very much a part of my story. And he didn't know this at the time. He didn't know like he wasn't utilizing this. But when I left Atlanta to come to Phoenix, um, he I, I had this moment in in my closet where I felt like when I was not open to this at all, hmm. and I felt like God. I never heard, I've never heard the audible voice of God, mm-hmm. but this thought came into my head where the Lord asked me like, are you really open to whatever I have for you? Mm. And I stood there for what felt like 15 minutes was probably 90 seconds, but it felt like a long time. Mm-hmm. And I literally, Rusty, I kid you not, in my closet, my wife's asleep in bed. I say out loud, nope, not this. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. I said, nope, not this. As if he was standing right next to me. <laughs> nope, not this. And I walked out, and I went, and I got in bed, and I fell asleep, and I slept great. <laughs> and I told my wife the next morning, I told her the story, and she goes, doesn't that bother you?
0: I mean, that's I'm kind like, of a big deal. You I'm end like, up in a belly does of a what fish. what bother you? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: And that's what she was thinking. She's like, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Yeah. And she, I was like, do you want to move? She's like, no, but it bothers me that you're not open to whatever God has for us. And I was like, well, that's not what I meant. I just mm. thought no, this definitely, this can't be what you have for me. Cause yeah. after being the first intern, being there 17 years, I don't think there's a bit, I didn't think there was a better job in the, I didn't need to be like, you You know, this people, you become the senior pastor or the senior leader or the lead pastor. You, everybody thinks, well, I want to, I want to be, mm. I, I, I want to be at the top of the organization. I don't want to have to, I want the autonomy. Yeah, Like I want not answer anybody. Yeah. Which Mm. is, you know, that's a myth. You always answer to somebody. Yeah, that's right. I went from having one boss to having nine. Yeah. Like I got a board of elders. I report to on a regular basis. Like it's, it's right. anyway. So I didn't, but I didn't feel the need of like, I've got to have that. Mm -hmm. I got to be the guy. I need to preach all the time. I've learned and grown significantly as a leader Mm -hmm. uh, in that and learned to use preaching in leadership, not just you know, when I was at North Point before I I taught for content, it was like Andy's leading the organization. So on the weekend, I need to provide some very good and helpful content for people in their lives. I never thought about leadership in preaching just because I didn't need to. Right? Like there wasn't a need for that. There was a need for good Bible teaching on the weekend Mm -hmm. when, when Andy wasn't preaching. So I had to learn and grow in a new gear of that. And, um, So fast forward, you know, we've had, we had multiple conversations about how he wanted me to. Well, so, uh, I was in Atlanta this summer and I wasn't, I wasn't even planning to get together with Andy actually. Mm. And he texted me one day and said, Hey, could you go to, I heard you're in town. Could you go to lunch? And so we went to lunch and, um, and I typically get together with him when I'm in town just to catch up. And, but we had a short amount of time and a lot of things going on, but it happened to be a window. I could do it. I said, you know what, actually I could do that. And so we went to lunch and, um, And we sat down at lunch. He um, he said to me, "He's like I, I can't even really talk to you about what I'm thinking, but because I haven't talked to the right people, but I want to know, like, are you open to coming back at some point?" Hmm. He said, "Because if you're not open to coming back, it's not even worth the conversations I need to have." Because he's like, "I I feel like there's there's just some there's there's several key people in our church that I need to talk to about what I'm thinking about, but if you're not even open." and I told him, I said, I said, you know, when I left here, I felt like, well, the thing that I learned was I, you need to always be open. You need to be open to the fact that what you're thinking may not be what God's thinking for your right. future. And so I didn't know what he was thinking. I didn't know what Andy was thinking. I didn't know what the Lord was thinking. Mm. I just told him, I was like, listen, I just want, you to know, we're incredibly happy. Things are going very well. Mm-hmm. My family's thriving in the desert. We're thriving in the desert Yeah, and it's become home to us. Mm. But um, I'm always open.
2: Hmm.
1: I, I've learned to be open, that the best thing for me to do is to be open to what God has for me. And yeah. that began a series of conversations of what he needed. And, and I didn't know he was having conversations with the elders. And, and it turns out what he needs help with is something I've done before. Hmm. And it involves church transition and it involves the future of an organization and a church that we care deeply about, that hmm. my wife and I met at. Mm -hmm. you know i learned leadership and how to be a pastor and and it significantly shaped my life spiritually and my kids you know three of my four kids were you know born and dedicated in this church and anyway so um yeah it was not what we were thinking walking into the summer as a matter of just mm-hmm. to tell you one other thing, we were driving, we drove across country, mm. we drove across, uh, we have family in Texas too. And so on our way to Georgia every year, like the thing that we we don't look forward to is people always ask us like, hey, when are you gonna come back? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was like, I told my wife, I was like, should we just start telling people never? Like, <laughs> like, cause it's like, I don't really know, but like, we don't have any plans. To, I would always say, well, I don't know. We don't have any plans to come back. Like, this yeah. is where we are. And, you know, people don't really know, but, you know, everybody thinks, well, of course you'd want to come home, you know? And yeah. What they don't realize is even, even people would say to me, even they said this last week, as I've been talking to people, I bet your kids are so glad to be home. I'm like, Oh no, you don't understand. Like that, that was, was home, home. Yeah, and they were so little when we moved and mm-hmm. one of them we didn't even have. Yeah. And so like that's home for them. Right. And right. But this is what we're supposed to do. This is our new assignment mm-hmm. and it's within the calling that God mm-hmm. has on my life. And to your point, it's not my identity. Right. I don't put my identity in a job or an assignment uh, or even in a calling. Mm-hmm. Um. And so uh, mm-hmm. here we go. Here we go again. And I, there's, there's definitely challenges ahead, but one of our family values is we do hard things.
0: And well, this the next podcast we do with you, Joel, <laughs> is going to be what happened after you got to North Point and uh, just the, the leadership lessons you learned in coming back, because that is a whole another issue of just now it's the second time around. You know, it's not going to be like it was before, and the differences—you're a different person, they are different people, so. This has been great. Thank you so much oh, thanks for, for sharing me. your story. It's well, great. Well, and I
1: just want to say something. I, you didn't set me up for this. I was looking for a spot to say this, but you, I, I feel like in so many ways, um, I have, I, I just, I wish we got to hang out more. Mm. Um, I don't have a podcast or I'd be interviewing you on my <laughs> podcast, but... You have created such a great organization here. Oh, thank you. And you have such great leaders, everybody I've interacted with. Mm -hmm. Um, Your ability uh, to learn from other people and to not have to be like the owner of like I've I've generated. And you have plenty of your own ideas and your own inspirations. Mm -hmm. But like for you to take things that other people have done and make them better, Mm -hmm. um, you have an amazing ability to do that. And you've surrounded yourself with some fantastic leaders that are helping you do that. So they are, congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. And don't
0: offer any of them a job. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise you that. <laughs> oh, I know how it works. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks so much. Well, thanks so much for listening. I'm sure there's somebody in your life that could benefit from that conversation, so send it along. As always, leave a review or a rating that would mean the world to us, and we'd love to hear from you. You can DM me on Instagram, Rusty L. George, with your questions or suggestions for future podcasts. And as we've been talking about, make sure you go to compassion.com/slash rusty sponsor a child this Christmas season. Well, next week, uh, because we are in the midst of Christmas, we are going to share with you our Christmas Eve service on this podcast, the Christmas Eve service at Real Life Church here in Southern California. You can always join us, real lifechurch.org, or you can hear it next week on our podcast. As always. Merry Christmas, have a great, great week, and keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.